Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Right? The Lord is good, isn't He? Um, you know, these microphones that they have, those funky-looking ones, they'll make you sound really good. I'm thinking they, I need one like that to make me sound better. Because people complain about the way I sound. <laughs> If I was on the worship team, I would definitely get one of those microphones for sure. I would need a lot of help, you know, like a computer to make it sound good. Voice correction. <laughs> well, I remember one time, just speaking of that, this is a long time ago, in the 1980s. This is not my message, but I'll just tell you this. There was a very famous guy on television that was a preacher. And he was uh, really an amazing preacher and had a lot of ma- amazing revelation. He was from Texas, and, but he was a little uh, unrefined, okay? I mean, he was just, just, just an unrefined guy. Uh, but God really used him powerfully and uh, really, really amazing for a long time. And then one day, he showed up on TV and... He got his teeth straightened and whitened and had a different kind of hairstyle and was talking really in great English proper language. And his ministry, he lost his ministry though. This is true. His ministry went down, down the tubes and uh, it's because he lost his true voice. He tried to become some, somebody who wasn't. You know, and so your greatest asset that you have that God's given you is who you are. And, you know, don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be refined unless God's made you refined. If he's made you that way, then be that. But if he hasn't, just, just be who you are because you're, you're more than good enough. I mean, more than good enough. And I think most of us spend our lives not feeling like we're good enough. And that's a lie from, the, from hell. And I want people to be freed to be themselves because who you are is who God created you to be. And that's your most effective self. And that's what the world desperately needs is for you to be who you are and not try to be something else or make yourself. And that doesn't mean we don't better become better and more excellent and all that good stuff. But... That's a Holy Ghost thing, right? That's a fruit of the Spirit thing, right? Letting Him do that work in us. So, anyways, I'm not going to do that because I don't have enough money to get refined. <laughs> so, I've gone this far, and this is about the best I can do. You know, I'm just going to stick with me. Yeah, amen. So, yeah, amen. So, I'm going to talk to you this morning a little bit about the hope, the hope of glory. Amen. And uh, this is sort of my, uh, my personal theology of glory. You know, I'm not really a big theology kind of guy, but really we all are. We all have a theology. We all have a belief system, right? And your theology is very vital and, and, and important because what you believe really does rule your life. You don't rule what you believe. Your believing rules you. So you, we all need a, a, a better theology. And I'm just amazed... Uh, about the glory of the Lord. One, well, I was raised in a more of a spirit-filled environment, uh, you know, charismatic or Pentecostal, whatever you want to label it as. Um, 
And the main thing that we always heard about the glory of God was the Shekinah glory. That's an Old Testament phrase, Shekinah glory, which is the seen glory of God, which is awesome. It's really amazing. Uh, But the tragedy is that's just a part of the glory of God. That's... And so that was sort of what I knew about the glory of God. And I've noticed that in my Christian life, I've not been exposed to a lot of revelation and teaching of what the Bible really talks about, about the glory of God. And the more I've looked into this, this thought of the glory of God, the more I realize it is just uh, interwoven through the whole Bible, you can't, if you extract, a, I think I may have said this already, okay? I, I don't remember what I say. You know what I'm saying? I could ask people, I could ask people here, what did I preach about last week? And you might say, I don't know. And I would say, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I would have to go back and listen to it to figure out what I said. So if I'm repeating myself, I'm not sorry. <laughs> That's just what you do in life, you know? Um, but... You can't take the glory of God out of out of Christianity, out of, out of the kingdom, out of out of the, the. It's it's just interwoven, and I just really want for me and for us is to really have a, a a greater revelation of the glory of God and what it means on every level. And I'm definitely into the Shekinah glory stuff. Trust me, I mean I'm I'm all in for God's glory externally of me coming. Amen. I mean, if you're not into that, then you need to get into it. Because <laughs> when God's glory comes, means God is manifesting himself in a bigger way than normal. Amen. But, but there's also, and I, and I believe this, and I have found this to be true in my Christian life, is when we begin to tap into what's in us, that's when we can tap into what's out here. The more you tap into Christ in you, the hope of glory, the more you'll be able to tap into the glory that's in our environment that we don't always see because we're, it's, we're sort of blinded to it. So that's my theology. Uh, it says in, in Colossians 1.27, it says, God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory, riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love what, uh, you know, there's d- different def- definitions of glory, of hope. I'm, I'm going to talk about hope. Christ in us, you know, hope is the confident expectation of good, right? It's confident expectation. The Christ in us, the confident expectation of the glory of God. Isn't that powerful? The confident expectation. Uh, a hope is, uh, they said it. The Whitlows said it. Y'all, if y'all didn't listen to their message, go on our thing. They, hope is trust. When he said that, I thought, hope is trust. Never thought about that before. But when you really think about it, you find out it's, the true, it's a true biblical it's biblically true. It's biblically right. Hope is trust. Hope is trust. Hope is putting you're, you're putting your trust in, in something in the future that you don't yet see, you don't, don't have in your trust in God that the best is in front of you. The best is in front of you. That's what, that's what hope is. Hope is saying the best is there. It's not back there. 
Amen. And many times when God speaks a word like the best is in front of, which he has to our congregation, uh, you know, significantly spoken that, in our worst moments, our worst moments, God was saying your best is in front of you. In your most down time, many times God does that. He'll come to us in our worst moments to, to try to give us a, a vision. Hope is imagination. It's imagination at its highest. It is, it is imagining and seeing God's best for you. That's what hope is. It's seeing something. Because that's what your imagination is. Your imagination is made to see awesome things. We think imagination is just not a good thing because people imagine stuff. That's what the Bible calls a vain imagination. But there's a sanctified imagination that God's given us. That's how we are actually able to see into the spirit realm. I know when you put those two together, you're in danger. You know, because people think everything you see is your imagination. Well, it's not, but it, it is a part of what we see. And God wants us to begin to uh, imagine a future that's full of glory. That, to imagine, begin to imagine your future and see glorious things. That's what this is saying right here. He's the hope. He's what we imagine our future could be that's a glorious future. Are y'all following this? And that's really what this whole thing is. Um, um, the hope of glory is the key to your greatest present and your greatest future. It's the key to it, the hope of glory, your greatest present. I think it was interesting we sang that song about the future and the past. Listen, let me tell you something about your past. God, the Bible says God will be your rear guard. You've got to get God into your past. That part of people's problem is they ain't got God into their past. You've got to get him into your past to fix your past. Really, he's not going to change your past. It's done. God says, that's settled. That's over with. That's done. But he'll fix you the way you see your past and perceive your past. Your past can be healed today, meaning you can be healed from what your past did to you. Because everybody's carrying baggages from their past, and God wants to free people from their past because God wants us to live now and forward. Now, the glory of God now and the hope of glory of what our future, our bright future is. I love this stuff. I'm, I'm giving you my theology. This will change your life, really. You know, um, we don't want to be people... We don't want to be in... Listen, we don't want to be in Christ and continually fall short of the glory of God. Right? We, we, hey, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? I mean, everybody. We've all been in that place. But we don't have to stay in that place. Why don't we have to stay in that place? Because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We never had to fall short of the glory of God. That's not a requirement that we continually fall short of the glory of God because we carry the glory inside of us. See, that's when you begin to think, change the way you think, change your belief system. When you begin to believe this way, it's going to change you outwardly. Isn't that wonderful? Y'all seem to be really happy about this. You know... Well, I think we all uh, have the potential to be glorious people, everybody in this room. You, you all have the potential to carry much glory, to actually manifest glory in your life. Everybody in this room has that potential. What we had to do is we had to learn how to tap in to what has already been given to us in Christ. We had to tap into, we had to learn how to access what's already been placed in us. God has, it's like God has given us an endowment a huge endowment, a great gift, and one of the greatest gifts ever is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a treasure that you and I are carrying around inside of us. That's why I'm saying we need to learn how to tap into that. 
When you tap into that, then you can tap into it around you, meaning you can tap into it from other people. Are y'all following this? Because we all are, are affecting the atmosphere around us. We're, we're either going to bring glory into the atmosphere or something else. Listen to this, to this uh, verse. Y'all done got me tired. <laughs> Listen, this verse uh, has been just an amazing verse uh, in the Bible a long time, but it's only become an amazing verse in my life. Uh, I've always believed it, but it's 2 Corinthians 5.17 this year which is, you know, just cool that it happens to be 2017. This has been the verse that God's given me this year. And I have spent a lot of time in this verse just thinking about this verse because it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things, now we just talked about Christ in us. Now we're talking about being in Christ, you know, both, right? We are in Christ and Christ is in us. We're in the air, the air's in us. That's the way this deal works. Okay, think about it like that. Um, he, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. It's, now, this is all what the Bible's teaching us. Behold, all things have become new, or all things are becoming new. Um, so this is the key right here. This verse is the key to consistently, to consistently experience an open heaven in your life. This is the key right here. If you don't get this, you cannot. You can experience an open heaven. The problem is you're experiencing an open heaven that somebody else has worked to release. You're not experiencing the open heaven that you're carrying around inside of you. Okay? Because within our spirit is Christ. Within our spirit is glory. Within our spirit, within our spirit we're face to face with Christ. And we have the potential to tap into that. And become what we're beholding. I'll read that verse in just a minute, but I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, this is the thing. I love the revival culture. You know, I, you know, some people don't love it. Well, let me just say this. Some people love it in theory, but they don't love it when it comes. Because, you know, God is just messy and offensive. When he, when he does stuff, like, good Lord, can you just not do it that way, Lord? Make it a little easier. Like, like I was read this thing about this guy. I just want to tell you this because I think it's it's this classic. This guy was a very orderly guy, okay, in his life. Everything had to be in order. Everything had to be right. Otherwise, it wasn't good enough. So he has this powerful encounter with the Lord, and it was on his birthday. Did I share this with y'all? I shared it somewhere, but anyways, he had this. God gave him this sheet cake. Okay, that's what he was seeing in this vision. A sheet, you know what a sheet cake is, one of them big old flat cakes. You know how you cut them in squares? Well, the Lord walked over to it and grabbed a piece of it with his hands and started eating it and then grabbed with his other hand and said, here, and he was like totally offended by what the Lord was doing. Like, why would anybody do that? You have to cut the, you see, you see I mean, the point was is God will offend you to, to no end, even if he has to use a cake on your birthday to get your attention, that he operates different. He was really what he's trying to do, expose things in our hearts to get us, to be able to get over those things so we can engage him. He's done much worse, believe me. You know, he's done much worse. But I believe revivals are awesome. And um, I'm always, in, you know, if, if there's going to be a revival that happens, I'm going to get in it. I've already made that decision a long time ago. I don't care how messed up it feels and seems. 
I'm going to get in it. But I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the truth. I'm not depending on a revival to tap into the open heaven. I'm just not doing that. I'm not going to live my... I've, lived a, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been through some revivals and outpourings and moves of God. You know, and they've been awesome. But I've also been where there was not an outpouring. When there's not a revival, there's not a move of God. What are you going to do then? You can't have this thing, well, one day there'll be the revival without end. That's awesome. What am I going to do between now and then? I'm going to learn how to tap into the open heaven right now. I'm going to learn how to tap in, not when I come to church. Not, I'm going to tap into it in my everyday life. That's what, where God wants us. God wants us to actually carry an open heaven and release it. it probably, maybe one of the reasons there's not a revival in America is because the people of God, you know, the revival is an outpouring of the Spirit. Right? It's supposed to outpour out of us. Maybe we're the, we're the holdup. Oh, don't get under all kinds of condemnation on that, though. There's grace for that. And I'll tell you another thing I wanted to say this morning. You do not need other people to have encounters with the Lord to experience the... You don't need, you don't need me. You don't need this worship team. You're carrying it. If you listen, if, if any person in this room just released an inch of the glory this, within them, we would all be in awe and, and, you know, if we were bad Christians, we'd... We'd be ashamed because you were so glorious and we were so unglorious. You don't, we don't need that. Now, God gives us that because we all have gifts different. We expose God in a different way. But what I'm saying is, is you need, we all need to learn how to tap in to what we already have in Christ and begin to live out of that. And then when the other is flowing, it's so much better and more richer to us. Amen. Let me read this to you. So, listen, our starting point is always 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're new creations. We're new creations. That's, that's your beginning point. That's where you begin. That's where everything begins for the believer. Listen to this. This is awesome. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 through 49. The first man was of the earth, talking about Adam, right? Made of dust, right? The second man is the Lord from heaven, He's the Lord from heaven. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, As was the man of dust, so are also those who are made of dust. In other words, that's all human beings. That's all people. You know, Adam was like the original guy, and we were like just duplicates of him. And then it says, as is the heavenly man, so are also also are those who are heavenly. Wow, that's a powerful verse, isn't it? As is the heavenly man, Christ. So are also all those who are heavenly. Who are the heavenly people? We are. You and I are. We are heavenly because why? Because we're in Christ. And Christ is in us. We're heavenly. See, that's the thing you've got to... See, I'm giving you a theology. You've got to start thinking you're not of the earth. You're not just a carnal person. You're a heavenly person. And when you begin to really believe that, I'm not talking about believing it here. That's fine. That's all right. But it ain't going to change nothing. Right? It's when your heart really believes it and your heart begins to embrace it and hold on to it and grasp it in every circumstance and situation in your life. When that becomes, starts becoming your reality, then you'll start acting like that heavenly man. I, it, everybody should say amen to that. Amen. Instead of acting like an old jerk, like an old crummy bad person, you're, suddenly you're acting like the Lord himself. You're carrying his thoughts. You're carrying his emotions. You're carrying what he has. This is within our reach. We have to begin to believe this and reach for it. 
You know, we really do. But anyways, it says, um, um, and as we have borne the image, we've all borne that Adam guy, right? We, you know, I mean, show up sometimes when things are not going good, and you'll Adam shows up, right? Show show up when you're having an argument with your wife. Adam's he's all over the road manifesting, right? <laughs> yep, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm, Becky, yep. <laughs> as we have borne the image of the man of us, we sh- we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Literally, that says this, let us bear the image of the heavenly. It says that, let us bear it. It's a a decision in one sense, not totally, but we had to to make some decisions about it. Are we going to allow the image of the heavenly man to come and and for for it to rest on our lives and for us to bear that image? And notice it didn't say produce. It didn't say we had to produce it. Well, that's the stupidest thought ever. Like, we're going to produce something. You know, like, I'm going to produce the image of Christ. No, I'm not. That's just dumb. That's just ignorant. That's, that's just craziness. And that's what we're all caught up in with our little things. We're going to do this, do that, and somehow we'd be better people. And all. No, we bear it like an like a apple tree bears an apple. We bear it. The Holy Spirit produces it in us. But we just, all he asks us is, just bear it. Let that thing come on you. Let it be. Let, let him do that. And he'll bring forth the, the fruit of the Spirit. He'll bring forth the character of Christ. He'll bring forth the thoughts of Christ in you. Not, we don't have to generate them. We don't pray enough. We don't read the Bible enough. We don't do any of that stuff enough. You can't do enough to bear it. You, you, you connect with his love and believe that he loves you and believe that you're accepted and, and live out of that. And as you do that, Jesus said, remain in my love. Abide in my love. And as we do that, that image begins to come forth in our life. And, and I'll tell you something, that'll really change you. You know, y'all have seen tomato plants, right? They have a lot of tomatoes on them and people put sticks and you, you can even buy these little things to put around them to keep the tomato plants from destroying themselves uh, because they're barren. And that's really a beautiful picture of what Christians, we're frail, we have no ability, and we need, even in bearing the heavenly man, we need something. We need something beyond outside of ourselves to help us even bear it or it would destroy us. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he's like he wraps himself around us and holds us up as, as we bear the nature of Christ in life. And we don't get off, we don't get messed up, we don't get into pride, we don't get into false humility, we don't get into the weirdness. We just let him hold us up like those sticks hold up tomato plants. It's, it's a beautiful picture. Because, you know, I've seen them tomato plants, they bend. They'll bend, you know. And then the, the life sap is, is, is like cut off and everything starts dying the fruit starts going away so Lord help us right let me read this one just in case this is my this is awesome man 2 Corinthians 3.18 but we all with what unveiled faces why is our face unveiled in Christ the veil that separated the holy of holies heaven itself has been torn open. Let me just say that. In Christ, it's been torn open. 
it was, it, the Hebrew says that the, his flesh was the veil. Jesus' flesh was the veil. And when he was beaten and his body was ripped open, heaven was ripped open. Heaven was ripped open for every person. Every human being on this planet has access to open heaven. They just don't know it. And the worst people who don't know it are the Christians who should be the first people who know it. And so we have an unveiled face. We don't have that. It's been torn open. In our spirits, we are looking face to face, face to face with God. Our spirit, our new creation man is looking right into the face of God right this second. Everybody in this room, God is right there in your spirit. He's looking at you and you're looking back at him. And so what we got to do is get that what's in our spirit. We got to get it up into the realm of our soul, into the realm of our body and begin to allow it to manifest in our life. I just think this is, a, this is the real gospel here. This is the gospel for the Christians. And it says, we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, the Spirit of the Lord is the one who's doing that. And so you see, it's a process. All, what I'm talking about here, it, it, none of this is instant. You don't get born again and have Christ in you, and all of a sudden you're, you're like conformed to the image of Christ. No, that does, I wish it was. It would save me a lot of heartache. Did y'all hear what David Cat? Y'all, how many people know what David Cassidy? Two people. Where the heck? When I was in high school, David Cassidy set the standard for haircuts. I mean, everybody, every guy, and Becky said girls got into it. Fair Fawcett did the girl version of David Cassidy haircut. There was a barber. There was a lady barber in our town where I grew up at, who knew how to do David Cassidy haircuts. So we all went to this girl to give us a David Cassidy haircut because he had the best haircut ever for, in those days. Okay, I mean, if you were living back in the 60s and 70s, you'd know about David Cassidy. And, you know, Partridge family and all that good stuff. It was great, okay, but he died recently, like last week. And you know what he, the, his last words were? So much wasted time. That's his last words out of his mouth when his breath left him. He said it to his daughter. And I told Becky, I said, you know what? I think probably everybody that I know, I know for sure, if I was, that could be my last words. I could say, so much wasted time. So much wasted time trying to be something I wasn't, try, I wasn't supposed to be. So much wasted trying, trying to please God. So much wasted time being ugly and being mean and being self-centered. So much wasted time. And say, I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and have that thought. I'm going to like, somehow, Lord, you got me through it. Thank you, Lord. You know, you redeemed all of that for me. That's something to think about, isn't it? And so really where the Spirit's leading us, is, it really is Romans 8, 29, which is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's, that's the ultimate goal that God has for everybody in this room. Is for you and I to be conformed to his image. And it's interesting that Romans, uh, you know, 8.28 is, precedes Romans 8.29. You know, 8.28. Everybody knows what 8.28 is, right? All that, oh, God will cause all things to work for your good. For those who are called according to his purposes, right? Who love God. That's awesome. But then it says, well, this is the reason. Because God is using all that to conform you to the image of his son. 
You see, all the hardship, all the difficulties, God is trying to do something. God is at work to get the glory out of our spirit and get it up into our our soul and into our natural man. Are you all following this? I hope you really are. Because if you start approaching your Christian life like this and start thinking like this, then things will start shifting for you. You want to have dreams, you want to have revelations, you want to have spiritual encounters, you want to have wisdom. Whatever it is, this is how you step into all of that because you're stepping into the fullness of Christ. Now, this is practical in our situation. Let me read Romans, I mean, Acts 17, 28. I'm, doing, I'm not going to overrun this. I'm going to tell you that now. I'm going to be done here. It's, oh, I love this verse. It says, for in him, that's in Christ, we live and move and have our being, so as also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. So everything I just said to you is practical. It's situational. For in him we what live and move and have our being. In other words, what he's talking about, in your life, in your daily life, this is how you're supposed to live it. These things are practical. These things are meant to work in that part of your life, not just in some church service or some special meeting somewhere, a prayer meeting. If, if we've relegated our Christian life to that, if we've regulated, I don't even know how to talk. I already told you that. Regulated or given it. Somebody help me. Some, relegated. There's just certain things that just don't work for me. And relegated this one often. If we've relegated the glory of the Lord, the anointing, the authority, the manifestation of the Lord to a prayer meeting, to worship, or to church, or revival, then we've dismissed it. We've missed it. We've missed it. This is for our life. And so, you know, every problem, every disappointment, every bad thing you've ever faced or you ever will face, listen to this. This is important. All of that is in Christ. The problems you're facing right now is in Christ. Why? Because you're in Christ. You cannot have a problem without it being in Christ. Because you're in Christ. So it's whatever you're facing, you're facing it in Christ. And that thing is in Christ. So you can know that God is at work. God's doing something because it's in Christ. Now when you begin to look at your situation at life in life, Instead of looking at, oh, this terrible thing, you can like, oh, this is in Christ. In other words, God is in this. God's in the middle of this somewhere. I may not see him. I may not feel him, but he is. And I'm going to find him in the middle of this. I'm going to find what he's thinking in the middle of this. I'm going to find his perspective in the middle of this. That's really what we should, instead of saying, why, Lord, why this, why that? Those are natural questions, obviously, and allowed because Jesus did it, but he didn't linger there. Are you getting what I'm saying? And I think we really have to, to move on. Let's, let's read, uh, this is another one, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. This is, the, this is your starting point. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's your starting point in all your problems. Right? You don't never, we never start in the hole. We never start in a negative in every situation you're in. If you're in Christ, you're not in a negative. You may feel like you're in a negative. The devil's telling you you're a negative. Hey, listen, here's, here's what the problem is. We're believing all this theology from the devil. We have a defeated mentality on us. Okay? 
Because we're listening to the voice of the enemy and we're believing that. Therefore, we are defeated. I had a good friend, I think I told you about these people from England that used to come to our church years ago, Arthur Burt and uh, Jim Party. Remember I told y'all, y'all don't remember it, but I do. I do remember I shared that. Well, there was this one guy who was sort of like a comedian. His name was Tony Nash, okay? But he was a, let me say, he was a backstabbing comedian because his whole ploy was to get you laughing and carrying on while he preached, and then he pulled this little dagger out and would slide it into your side here and pierce you. <laughs> and he was wondering, how did you get to this state where God has just pierced you when everything seems so fun and jovial? Well, this is what he said to me one time. This is after I was pastoring, actually. He came to the church. He said, hey, Byron, you know what uh, riders are on insurance policies? I said, yeah. It means, you know, there's a way out. It's they're out. He said, everything you say, you have a rider on. You're making an allowance for defeat. You need to make the allowance for victory. Oh, boy. You're talking about, heck, it was like take the sword off and cut your head off <laughs> and then kick it out the door. That's the way I felt. See, we make that allowance in our life many times for, for defeat. We have these riders in our life. Hopefully, maybe it's our self-protection to keep from being disappointed or discouraged or our, our little, little doctrine didn't work, so we have this rider. And he was saying, you've got to quit that, man. You've got to make the allowance for victory, not defeat. You'll start living your life that way because that's what it says. In Christ, we have the victory. He always brings us to victory. So that's your ultimate outcome. Everybody in this room, your outcome in whatever problem you're facing, whatever situation you're facing in your life, God is saying to you, hey, you don't have to, you don't, you're, this is victory. You can have victory in this. There's victory that's been provided for you in this. If you're looking for a job, you don't have a job, there's victory for you. If nobody likes you, there's victory for you. See, we have to be, if you've lost somebody or if you've been hurt, there's victory. That's what God is wanting us to get. There's victory. It says, thanks to God who gives us the victory through Christ. That's not what we do. He gives us to us. And see, we've got to begin to believe that. Heck, if, if the worst person in the world became the president of the United States, we still have victory. We're not subject to that in the end. We've got to start living out of what this says, the truth that we're carrying victory in us. And I'll tell you where the victory has really begins, or well, it has in my life, is this whole thing of identity. Okay? Because identity marks you. There was a commercial on TV a few years ago that had people walking around with these pieces of tape on their head, and it had different things like loser or rejected. That, and that was, it was, and I thought, boy, this is the most spiritual commercial I've ever seen. Because that's how people are. They're walking around, I'm feeling like a loser. I, I feel like, I feel rejected. You know what I was talking about? Barren, barren, we're going to bear this heavenly man. I can, listen, people, you can look at people and see them bearing something. You can look at them. They'll walk towards you and you see rejection on them. You can see poverty on them. You see want on them. That they're caring. They don't even know it. They don't even know it. Because something else has given them identity. 
When I was a young person, when I was, let me just say this. I was born into a, a family that was, that was really poor. I mean, real poor. People talk about ministering to the poor. We would have been ministered to us. Okay? It is no fun growing up real poor in school. I'm going to just tell you that. It is no fun. It is no fun living in a house that's really basically a shack. Okay? That is not good for a child to have to live that way. And so here's what happened to me. That became my identity. That marked me. Okay? And so what it made me do on the inside, it made me feel like every situation I was in, I had to prove myself. Okay? Because I was allowing poverty to give me identity. And so I went through life trying to pr- prove myself. And I tell you, it wrecked most of my relationships. I mean, every relationship I had, there would be a breakdown in it over it. I didn't, I didn't know I was doing that. But it was because this thing was telling me, no, you've got to measure up. You've got to prove yourself. And when you start doing that, well, it, it really creates re- uh, relational havoc is what it creates. And so I get saved, okay? I get saved. And I brought that mindset in with me to the kingdom of God. And it doesn't work. In God's kingdom, that does not work. God will not, he doesn't, he doesn't even mess with that. He don't even, you start approaching God like that and you start trying to live your Christian life like that, you're headed for failure. If you let other people or your social status, your looks, your skills, if you let all that give you identity, you're, you're, you're headed for trouble. Christ is the person who, has to, who can give us identity. That's, he is our identity. And when we allow these other things to give us identity, it's going to just, it's destructive. Y'all gotten really serious looking at me right now. Y'all looking really pale looking and guilty looking and because we all are. We're all guilty of this. And I have found remnants of that. Well, I'm not saying I found it on my own. The Holy Spirit has identified remnants of that kind of thinking in me. And, what, and he's showed me, this is what this makes you do when you think like that. And it's no good. It's hurtful. It hurts me. It hurts the people I love. You know, it's, it's terrible. It really is. And God wants to break all that off in people. I had a guy walk up to me the other day, and I saw him. And probably in the back room, he was walking towards me, and I was looking at him. And I was thinking, that poor dude... He's walking in and he, he feels so rejected and feels so hurt. He's coming in, he's got this real defensive thing on him. And I thought, that, that was me. I was that poor dude. I was that poor dude. And when I let the Holy Spirit begin to work in my life, y'all, y'all gotten too quiet on me. Yeah. You know what I've learned? This is what I learned, Psalm 512. This is powerful. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. You, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Who's the righteous? We are. That's what the Bible says. We're the righteousness of God. And that really is our identity, is we're the righteous. You will bless the righteous. So we live in this place where God is saying, I want to bless you. That's what this is, this is what I want to do. If anybody tells you don't focus on, you know, focus on blessings bad, they're wrong. 
they're really wrong. The Bible really clearly states that's what God wants to do. He wants to bless the righteous. But this is the part that's really helped me. But I'm into blessing, I'll be honest with you. And I'm telling the Lord this all the time. I'm the righteous. Come on. I'm, I'm in. I'm into this. And it ain't like I'm trying to get to God to do something that he don't want to do. He wants to bless us. He's just trying to convince me I want to do this. I'm into blessing. Lord, will you bless us today? Oh, I shouldn't pray that. Heck yeah, I should. Yeah, go ahead, Lord. Don't bless me today. Let me see how good a day I have. <laughs> Who's praying that, right? But this is, it says, you will surround him. With, with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. So here's the thing, the favor thing. I don't feel that whole thing where i got to prove myself or defend myself. I just step into the favor of God and let that be my protection. Live in the favor and you won't have to be trying to do all this crazy stuff because you've got the favor of God flowing in your life. And God wants to give people favor everywhere you go. He wants you to have favor. He wants you to have favor at work, at home, at school, in the bathroom, you know, wherever, you know, wherever you find yourself. Amen. Let me read this one. I got a couple more scriptures, then I'm going to stop. Okay. Are you all right? Yeah. Remember, this is a theology of glory. This is my theology. I hope it works for you. This is powerful. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all. Now, this is, the, this is like an invitation from the Lord. This is how this verse has spoken to me. It's like God has invited me into something. He's saying, Byron... Listen, I, being the Holy Spirit, I can do everything. Would you like to get in on that? Hey, Byron, I'm the smartest guy there is. How would you like to get in on that? I'm the strongest, most powerful, most anointed, most prophetic. I'm the best mother. I'm the best father. I'm the blessed, best child. What do you want in on, Byron? I can, I can do it all. Why don't you come in and let that be the thing? I can do all. And so we need to, to take that. We need to take that. I'm serious. We need to begin to take this on. Remember I said, we put on the heavenly. We bear the heavenly. This is the heavenly. I can do all things. Y'all ain't believing this. <laughs> See, it's an invitation from the Lord. It's really an invitation. To live and begin to think that whatever situation you're in, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is. And I'm going to tell you something. I went through some hellacious times. I mean, I felt like, good Lord, why am I even alive anymore? It was so bad. Okay? And that thing there, you can do this, Byron, because I'm going to do it in you. You can get through this. I'll get you through it. Let me. Let me strengthen you. Let me work through you. Let me speak through you. Let me tell you what to do. It's situational. It's circumstantial. Circumstantial. God wants to do that in us. This is how you live from the glory within. This is the glory. His strength is His glory. It's part of it. I love that. It is the perspective and attitude of the Holy Spirit. He don't look at anything like, heck, I can do anything I want to do. You know, there's nothing that He looks at that is impossible. And so He wants us to and he invites us into that. He really does invite us into that. All right, one more time. Second Corinthians 4, 17. It says this. For our light affliction. Everybody say light affliction. Light affliction. Which is but for a moment. 
is working for us a far, what, more exceeding and eternal way to glory. Now, this is it, okay? And by the way, just in case you want to know something, I didn't put 4, 16, and 18 there because that's talking about seeing the invisible. But right in the middle of it, he's talking about these afflictions. Right in the middle of it, he's talking about these difficulties. That if these things are meant, they're designed to help us experience his glory. Okay? They really are. That's what it's saying. Y'all are not saying this. Y'all got to be kidding me. You've heard that old saying, trials can make you either better or bitter. Have y'all heard that? Well, that's kind of true, but maybe a better way of saying it, trials can make you bitter or more glorious. Because that's what it's really saying there. These things are enabling us. These things are equipping us to bear the glory of the Lord, the glory, to have a more of a greater manifestation of His glory to come into our lives. That's what the, these trials are for. That's what they're all about. They're not about hurting anybody. God allows things because He wants the Christ, the hope of glory in you to manifest in your life and for you to be able to walk around bearing that because God is looking for people on the earth to walk as He walked. All right, I'm going to finish here, but I do want to read this last verse, okay? <laughs> All right. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 43. It's about the resurrection. It says, uh, it's talking about, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. That's cool, right? It's sown in dishonor. It is raised in what? Glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So he's contrasting. The flesh, carnal man, spiritual man. Everything I just said, uh, you know, incorruption, glory, power. These are all the glory. This is what putting on this heavenly man's all about. It is sown natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. So let me just say this. This is about a seed. You know, Jesus spoke of himself of being a seed, right? Unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it bears along. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Amen? That's in the Gospel of John. So, uh, you know, everybody in here know what an apple seed looks like, right? Just then you saw apple seed in your mind because I said that, right? And you know what an apple looks like, right? The seed does not look like the apple, right? It doesn't look like it. Nowhere near like it. Okay, so God does things in our life. I'm going to say this. God does things in our life. They're awesome. But they're seeds. That's all they are. They're seeds for something better and something greater. And here's what the problem is, though. He does this, this awesome thing, which is nothing but a seed, and we're looking for that seed. We're looking, where is that seed at? I need to get that back to that seed. That was the best thing God ever did in my life. But it was just a seed, and he's saying, you're looking for the wrong thing. There's a fruit now you need to start looking for. Listen, Jesus came, how did Jesus come to the earth for first time? He came, what, as a baby, right? The baby in the manger. Right? That's how Jesus came. That's how we found out about him. He was a baby. When we discovered Jesus, the first time when he revealed himself, he was a baby, right? And we celebrate that at Christmas. That's what Christmas is. Celebrate this baby coming into the earth. But let me ask you this question. How many people are looking for a baby this morning? I'm talking about speaking of the Lord. 
Who in here is looking for the manifestation of a baby? Nobody. We're not looking for no baby to come. He's already come as a baby. That was the seed. He's something else now. He's, he's greater now. He's glorious now. That's what we need to look for. And see, that's the way our Christian life is all about. It's just like that. It's just like the seeds that are sown. And they, the seed looks one way, but the fruit looks different. It looks completely different. And I think a lot of people are holding on to their past. You know. Anyways. I hope that spoke to somebody. I really do, because it's really speaking to me a lot. You know, in John 20, Jesus was in the garden after he was resurrected. Y'all know about this, right? Mary was there holding on to Jesus. That was beautiful, right? I'd be holding on him too. I mean, I would have held on to Jesus big time if I'd have been, if I'd have known Jesus walking on the earth. But what did he say to her? He said, don't, don't stop clinging to me. What he was saying is, Mary, I'm not what I was. You can't cling to what I was. You can't cling to what I was. Cling to what he is. And cling to what he's being in your life right now. That's what we cling to, not what he was in your life. That's just, that didn't work. That doesn't work. And so you really, we have to really find who the Lord is today with us and how he's being today and cling to him like that. Otherwise, your Christian life's always going to be lived in the rearview mirror and you're going to really miss the glory of the Lord in your life. You're going to miss what he has for you. Because she was clinging to the seed. That's what she was clinging to. Well, you can't, you know, seeds are fine, you know, certain ones. Don't eat apple seed, right? They're poisonous. But, you know, people eat pumpkin seeds. Those are all great, but it'd be better to have the fruit, I guess. Somebody said, why, does, why, are, why do we have pumpkins? That's what somebody was asking. Why do we got pumpkins for? That's for pumpkin pie, that's why. <laughs> and pumpkin seeds, you know. But some pumpkins you can't eat, right? They're just for looks. They're to enjoy. Huh? Shooting at them, yeah. We like to shoot at them. Certain people do, anyway. <laughs> y'all, why don't y'all stand up? I didn't ask you one time, are you all right? I hope you noticed that. <laughs> Nobody really gives me any credit for this. I'm really trying to be a better, you know, behave myself better. Yeah. You know, the Lord's an encourager. He wants people to feel encouraged. He wants people to be encouraged. And I just pray, Lord, somehow today God would encourage you in your heart. And God would speak to your heart. And God will let you know that he loves you in a deeper way and let you know that you, you can be- become something and you are becoming something. I believe you're becoming something. Everybody in this room, I believe you're, you're becoming something. You're becoming your true self. That's what you're becoming. You're becoming your true self, your greatest self, the self that God created, the person that God created when he was in heaven, when he thought of you before you were ever born. That's what you're becoming, is that person. And that person is a glorious person. 
And when you become, when, as you become more and more that person, you discover your true purpose, you discover your destiny, you discover so many things that are there, that have been there all the time for you, but you couldn't see them until you started becoming that true person. And so that's what being transformed, transformed into the image of Christ is all about, is being our, our greatest self, which, which, are, which is Christ-like, and walking in His likeness, and, and being conformed to His image. Christ is the, the most glorious person. He's the most glorious man. He's the most beautiful man. He's breathtaking. You know, He really is. He's breathtaking. And that's what he's wanting to transform us into. Believe it or not, I mean, he really wants to make us breathtaking. How does that work, Lord? That's a true miracle, isn't it? That we would be breathtaking before the Lord and before the world. And the world would desire what we have because we carry this beautiful man inside of us. I really pray we would all get this. Lord, I just pray that today. Pray a release of your glory in us over us and around us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, our thinking would be changed today, Lord. Mm. Transformed. Transform us, Lord. Transform us more into the image of Jesus Christ. Help us to see we're inside of us. We're seeing something. Help us to see that on the outside of us, Lord. Help us to see Jesus in our situations, our circumstances. Yeah, that's all right. Let's just take a moment and really do this. Let's see the Lord. Tomemos un momento para ver al Señor. He's in us. Está en nosotros. He wants us to see Him. Él quiere que nosotros lo veamos a él. In your relationships. En tus relaciones. Your job. En tu trabajo. Your ministry. En tu ministerio. He wants to teach us how to see Him in those places. Él quiere enseñarnos a que lo veamos a él en esos lugares. Your problems. En tus problemas. Uh, your personal problems. Tus problemas personales. Your home problems. En tus problemas en tu hogar. Lord, we want to see you. Queremos uh, verte. Work in America. Obrar en Estados Unidos. We want to see what you're doing in, a, in the United States. Queremos ver lo que tú estás haciendo en Estados Unidos. So when we speak. Entonces cuando hablamos. And when we pray. Y cuando oramos. We can do it in agreement with you. Podemos hacerlo en acuerdo contigo, Señor. That's what we want to do. We want to agree with heaven. Queremos estar de acuerdo con el cielo. Over this nation. Sobre esta nación. And over our families. Sobre nuestras familias. Over the body of Christ Sobre in the United States. Sobre el cuerpo de Cristo en los Estados Unidos. We want to come into agreement. Queremos venir en acuerdo contigo. Lord, I just ask you to help us see you. Señor, te pido que nos ayudes a verte. To see you, Lord. Verte, Señor. Teach us how to see, Lord. Ayúdanos, enséñanos a verte, Señor. Teach us how to hear, Lord. Ayúdanos a oírte, Señor. Thank you, Lord. Gracias, Señor. I want to share something about what Byron was saying about old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Yo quiero compartir algo que Byron estuvo hablando sobre las cosas pasadas volviéndose y volviéndose una nueva criatura. When I gave my life to the Lord. Cuando yo le di mi vida al Señor. I was really, really messed up in drugs for a lot of years. Yo estaba muy arruinado por por causa de las drogas en mi vida. And the morning after, I had no desire for the drugs. Y en la siguiente mañana, después de aceptar a Cristo, yo no tuve ningún deseo de tomar drogas. I drank seven days a week. Pasó los siete días a la semana. And never had a desire to get drunk again. Nunca tuve un deseo de volver emborracharme de vuelta. I had a filthy mouth where the F word was every other word. Yo tenía una boca sucia donde la palabra F estaba 
en mi boca continuamente y nunca más lo volví a hacer paré de golpe I had tenía eh, afecciones impuras It just didn't have many more. y ya no los tuve más las cosas viejas pasaron y aquí todas fueron hechas nuevas yo tenía un deseo un amor hacia el Señor que nunca había estado consciente al respecto And then one day, y en un día yo estaba saliendo de mi casa con droga en mis manos to sell them. para venderlas And my best friend says, y mi mejor amigo me dijo Dean, you can't sell drugs anymore. You're a Christian. Dean, no puedes vender drogas porque tú eres un cristiano. And I looked at him and I said, Tony. Yo lo miré a él y le dije, Tony. I'm not smoking them. I'm selling them. Yo no la estoy fumando. Yo la estoy vendiendo. And that's when I realized. Y ahí es cuando me di cuenta. That even though old things had passed away and everything became new. Que aunque las cosas viejas pasaron y todas fueran hechas nuevas. It was going to be a journey. Iba a ser un viaje. Constantly conforming. Continuamente siendo conformados. Constantly receiving in and then walking in revelation. Constantemente recibiendo y caminando en la revelación. Yeah. But it all begins and it all ends. Todo comienza y todo termina. With not just wanting Jesus to be our savior. No solamente con querer que Cristo sea nuestro salvador. But making him our Lord. Pero haciéndolo a él nuestro señor. Then he becomes our savior. Entonces él se vuelve nuestro salvador. So let's go ahead and have the ministry team de, come por favor, up. el equipo de ministerio. And if you're not perfect yet, si tú no eres perfecto todavía, which would be the entire congregation. sería toda la congregación, incluyéndome a mí. And there are certain things that the Lord has spotlighted. Y hay ciertas cosas que el Señor te ha mostrado. That you know he wants to continually work and 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 bring himself into fulfillment in in y, your life y en donde tú sabes que él quiere continuar obrando y traer cumplimiento en tu vida let's give that to him this morning démosle esto al señor en esta mañana and if you need the ministry team to pray for you for that as well they're here si necesitas que el equipo de, de ministerio ore por ti ellos están aquí en esta mañana amen well you amen. are free to go eres libre en salir and en be ir, blessed y ser bendecido amen amen